Father, just like that song says, you are a mighty God. Jesus, we praise you today, church, as we get ready to continue in our worship. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward. And if you have a need this morning, we take this time in our service for a church that believes in community. And we are a church that still believes that what you read that God did in the Bible, he is still doing today for you. It's not something that you just read about and it's like, oh man, that must have been really cool to receive or to even be there when you see Jesus touch people and he comes in and he saves them from whatever is going on in their lives. Well, let me tell you, he can save you today. He longs for you. Sometimes it may seem like you're in a desert season where you feel like, man, God, where are you? I don't know where you are. Well, friend, let me tell you, he's right next to you today. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And as the body of Christ, when we come together like this, oftentimes it can feel, it can feel hard. Sometimes it's not enjoyable for just being honest. We're tired, we had a long week, we kicked off school with our kids. It's another day that our kids wanna sleep in and no, we gotta get up, we gotta go to church. But let me tell you, he is the God who sits on the throne and he is bigger than your problem today. So if you have it, maybe you have a need this morning, whether it's financial or physical need, Feel free to come up here to grab somebody's hand. Let them pray with you. Let us believe with you for whatever you are believing for today. Church, let's continue in worship.
church right now just lift your hands across this room maybe you need this song today maybe you feel like he is nowhere to be found he is with you so just right now in your own words I say it all the time but worship is not about a specific song or even singing certain words it is literally us just stopping and pausing and saying God you are so good I don't want to get in the habit of coming and singing songs to sing songs I want to come and give him our praise and worship today so right now in your own words with our hands lifted high, I just want you to worship him. Even if you don't know what to say, that's okay. Just say, God, you are worthy. Jesus, you are so good. We are so thankful for who you are and for your presence. God, for your faithfulness that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you are always with us. God, I'm thankful today for who you are. We praise you. Church, come on, let's sing it together one last time. Cause you are with me. Cause you are with me. And you are for me. He'll never leave you out. Father, this morning I'm thankful for that promise that you won't leave us. God, I'm thankful for your presence that is in this place. God, that when we call upon you, that you come. I pray that as we get ready to continue our service, that your presence would stay in this room. God, that we would have ears to hear what you are speaking to us today through the message. In Jesus' name, church, come on. Can you give him a big shout of praise today? He is so worthy. God is good. Well, good morning. Why don't you turn around and shake someone's hand? Maybe introduce yourself to somebody you haven't met yet today. Sunday outside like your boy woke up late this morning but I would have enjoyed my coffee outside I'm just saying like that's what I would have done I'm jealous uh, but either way hey it's a beautiful beautiful Sunday and it is wonderful to see all of your smiling faces in the house today uh, hey if you're with us for the first time I do want to pause and say one thing you are important to us we're excited that you're with us this morning and we would love to connect with you on a more personal level. We realize that on Sundays, we can blow in and out of those doors really quickly. Uh, but at the end of service today, if you're newer with us, 
maybe it's your first time or maybe you've been coming for a couple weeks and haven't done it yet, head back to the information center back there. Uh, Linda is back there. She'd love to shake your hand, get to know you and your story a little bit. We have a card back there. It says connect on it. It is simply so we can stalk you. So if you don't mind, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Uh, but if you could fill that out, it's just some basic information. So we as a staff uh, know who you are and how we can best serve you. We'd really, really appreciate it. Uh, also, if you're joining us online, thank you for taking time out of your Sunday to be with us this morning. Oh, I have one really quick announcement. Uh, I want to make sure I get out, but it's not even a new announcement because if you've been coming, you already know this. Life groups are starting up soon. Can I get an applause from the crowd? Yes, there it is. There it is. There it is. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And stop. Good job. Uh, hey, life groups are starting uh, Sunday, September 11th. We cannot wait for life groups to begin. I have some amazing news as well. We have four brand new life groups that are starting up in September along with the ones that we already had last season. So we are pumped and excited about life groups coming up, which means that there is a life group probably near you or in your neighborhood. So we are excited for this. Be on the lookout. But if you do get online today, clccuna.com. Check it out. Click the life groups tab. You will see all of our life groups that are going to be happening. We have a couple updates that are coming. So as those roll out, you'll see them on the website. And then we'll have flyers also uh, at your disposal so you can find out all the, all the information for the life group that you and your family are going to attend. But we are looking forward to it. I cannot wait. Um, but that's the only announcement that I have. So as we receive tithes and offerings this morning, I want to say thank you so much for partnering with us to reach our community and our city with the gospel of Jesus. I say it all the time, and I will say it again. Uh, as you give, remind yourself, I am not giving to an organization. I am giving to see the gospel of Jesus Christ go forward in our community through our church. So thank you so much for partnering with us as we reach our community. It is so, so great. We are so, so grateful that you would partner with us. Um, that's all I have uh, today. Pastor Stan is still on vacation. He is enjoying a wonderful time away with Chris celebrating their anniversary in Tahoe. Most likely, though, they are watching. So everyone just say hi really loud because I'm sure they are watching. Uh, we love you guys. Pastor Stan and Chris, enjoy your time away. So this morning we have a treat. The one and only, the legend, the myth, Scott Hendricks. Man, would you come up here and share the word this morning? Oh, yeah, yeah. You are with me, you are for me, you never leave. So we're just praying for that part right there, you never leave right here with me. <laughs> Let's pray right now, Lord Jesus, as the words come, let it just make sense, Lord, and be what you want. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay. okay. Thanks to you all for coming out here, Change Life Church. If you haven't heard me give a message before, let me explain that I'll be keeping pretty much to my notes, and that's for your own protection, right? <laughs> There's no telling what I'll say. And in defense of other people, let's just say that if I was the President of the United States, I'd use the teleprompter all the time, too. <laughs> so you got to be careful what you say. With that in mind, this month, I'm the fourth different speaker. This month, used by God to talk to this congregation. That's either pretty awesome or the employment crisis really hitting us here at Change Life Church. <laughs> Nobody wants to work. Okay. Seriously, I think this is a first for this church, and I'm, I'm humbled to be a part of it. So grateful for the trust given, and just a line up for the team at CLC to you. So before we go any farther, I want to make sure we remember the first Sunday of the month, Pastor Stan's power of lasagna message, right? Where line was defined as what? A little bit extra. That, that's it. A little bit extra. Thank you. So what I'm saying to you right now is that I, Scott Hendricks, I'm lining up for you. 
okay, for this month. And then Pastor Stevie explained about the third option, right? Defending people instead of judging people. And that maybe defending should be the Christian's first option, not the third. Just like our default, just like it was for Jesus, right? It was a good word, Stevie, and it reminded me of Abraham in Genesis 11 when he was wheeling and dealing with God for the lives of the people of Sodom. If you guys don't remember that story, don't know this story, God was getting ready to judge and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And as the angels turned towards Sodom to take care of business, Abraham started talking to God about the righteous people that might be wiped out with the wicked, started defending them. What if there's 50? Okay, I want to destroy them. What if there's 40? Okay, I want to destroy them. 30, 20, 10. Is that fair, God? He's asking God, is that fair? Abraham must have had a, he must have been a man with a big set of principles to dare to do that, right? <laughs> so I think Abraham was really trying to save the whole world, the whole, the whole town, not the town, the whole world, but the whole city, because not just the righteous were gonna get saved if his plan worked. If there are 10 righteous people found, everybody's gonna be spared, and that's a plan. Well, it didn't work, because I guess there were less than 10 righteous people found because he leveled that place. But it did not diminish the efforts of Adam to save and defend the people, right? He didn't worry about who was worthy, who was good, who was bad. That was up to God. He just defended. That's what we got to do. And I'm pretty sure like a lot of things in Abraham's life, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Okay. Stevie then gave his educated guess on what Jesus wrote in the ground when he was defending the lady, the woman, from being stoned, right? Stevie's exclamation, explanation could be exactly right but he might have got the names a little wrong because this is what I think Jesus was writing. <laughs> Thanks, sweetie. Brownie points. Okay. Then Pastor Chase last week showed us that real hope is available in any circumstance, even a little ball with the right perspective. Even the apostle Paul, before his conversion on the road to Damascus, he had a great life. Well, he was killing Christians, but he was living large, right? His Pharisee friends must have thought he was crazy for all the stuff he suffered for his new faith, but his perspective changed, right? This is what we heard all this week, that's all good stuff. You guys come to CLC and you wanna hear Pastor Stan and his protégés speak the good news. After Christian and the worship team focus our mind on him and we're in his presence. That's the goal every week, every time, every day. And I love the humility of Stevie who thinks that he's the least worthy or qualified to be up here speaking. That's cute, Stevie, however, that actually might be true in your own household with a little wink to Kristen, but you do a wonderful job here. <laughs> the truth is though, none of us are, are worthy to be up here, right? I am probably the least qualified to be up here, but I definitely possess the best ability needed for the work of the Lord. As I stated many times, my regular profession was safety manager of a food company, the best ability is availability. Just show up and here I am. It's my pleasure and honor to be given a chance after all I've done in my life to preach the good news, just like they get to do. Today, in the fourth week of August, 2022, I wanna start by talking about our bridge event. CUNY Days for us was a bridge event. It was a great way for the community to see what CLC was all about. We mixed in a little journey with our awesome worship music. We tried to get people to believe and not stop as we, tried, we strive to show them that we can be in the world without being of the world. And that really is the bridge, isn't it? We draw them in, we show them the love of Christ in us and just let Jesus do the rest. But today, I'd like to spend a little more time contemplating the bridge or bridges itself, less than the event. Events like CUNA Days are just a chance to get all the bridges out there in the community. Every one of these bridges properly constructed is just designed to lead people from one side 
to the other, right? It's very important these bridges are strong, securely fastened to the destination, which for these bridges is Jesus Christ. Amen. If you haven't figured it out yet, the people of the church are the bridges I'm talking about, right? Kristen and the worship team are some bridges we put out there singing. All the kids on the floats were bridges. A bridge was put out by every volunteer in the booth. If you were there cheering the float and loving Jesus, you are the bridge. You are the bridge. I am the bridge. I am the egg man. I am the walrus. Go, go, get you. I had to do it. <laughs> it was a little dare. If you don't know the Beatles, just forget all that. But you probably have three or four times in your life that'll work. That was one of them. I'm sorry. I apologize. Stan. Okay. We at Change Life Church ultimately know seriously that God is the only bridge. I'm sorry, that Jesus is the only bridge to God, right? John 14, 6 says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Amen. Pretty clear, right? A lot of parables, that wasn't one. And then Jesus, I'm sorry, again, then Peter, after Jesus was crucified, resurrected, and Peter got thrown in jail for healing the man at the temple called Beautiful, he told all the leaders there, Jews and Romans alike, in Acts 4, 12, that there is neither salvation in any other, for there is no other name given among men under heaven, whereby we must be saved. Again, that is pretty clear. One bridge to God. We are called to be and build bridges for our world, right? Bridges that lead to the ultimate bridge, Jesus. And for, cause that's where our salvation lies. And I stay pretty there, I stay pretty shallow cause I'm pretty milk of the word type of guy. I don't wanna veer out of my pay grade as a speaker cause my wife always says that I'm new enough that I still may have a little lactose on my breath, right? But as much as I'm still a baby and learning, I'm not a baby Christian. I've been a Christian for 30 years. And immediately, 2 Corinthians 5.17 proclaimed me and anyone that is in Christ a new creation. Way back then. You can call yourself a new creature if you think that's cool, but a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Old things have passed away with this. All things have become new. Well, what has passed away? Well, I'm going to start with asking a different question that the pastor in Coeur asked me a couple of weeks ago when we were on vacation there which is where I got this awesome shirt my mom bought me for my birthday. Woo! Bam, more brownie points. <laughs> and my wife bought me these shoes for Christmas. More brownie points, okay. If it wasn't for birthdays, I'd probably be up here in thongs and a gym shorts. So they give me some stuff. Okay, here's the question that he asked me and I answer different now. I answer different now. That's pretty crazy for a Christian for 30 years. How many sins did you perform before you officially, legally became a sinner? How many? Okay, that's what I said. You gotta get out. No, I'm just kidding. That's what I said. The answer is zero. Because it wasn't my bad performance that made me a sinner. It isn't gonna be my good performance that frees me. Right? And I'm gonna show you in the Bible where it says that. The truth is, I was grandfathered in through Adam, my old daddy, just like you were. That's where the fault lies to start. Let's look at this in Romans 5, starting at 14 and 21. Or through 21. And let me say that when you study the Bible, there's subtle ways that God will reveal the importance of a matter, sometimes not so subtle. In this instant, God pushes home the point that you belong under new management. You're under Jesus instead of Adam, not both. You're under Jesus now instead of Adam, no less than six times in eight verses. Read them and you'll be amazed. I think God is taking painstaking effort here to show us and explain to us because here is where our victories lie, right? We've changed families. We've changed inheritance. We've changed relationships. We just haven't added God. We've removed a bunch of stuff and then added God. 
I'm going to paraphrase these for the sake of time, but please go back and meditate on the meaning of these verses. Death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as Adam did, right? Zero sin, still guilty. The gift of God cannot be, be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin, the apple, and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses, and we could add our sins right there, and brought justification. For if by the trespass of Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's grace in life reign through that one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation and death for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification in life for all people. Thank you, Jesus. Took it back. So, all that said, what old things have passed away? Well, our familial connection to Adam is the first one that's passed away. We're no longer related to him, and the curse that bound us to sin is his, and it goes to him. So, who's your daddy? Not Adam, not anymore. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ our Lord. If we're in him, we're in him, we have eternal life. We're not related to Adam anymore. I used to think that when I came to Jesus and accepted him as my savior, that I somehow changed the wages of sin, that they weren't death anymore. So I could not die from them and have the gift of eternal life. Well, the wage of my sin is still death. It's just his death now instead of mine. I didn't change that. The gift of God is that for me and also that all things have become new and eternal life is now open to me because he paid my price. That's why. So what does all things become new now? Well, Romans 8.1 promises that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Well, that's new because I just showed you from the beginning we've been condemned, right? Now there's no condemnation. That's the biggest change. And as I've heard this scripture a lot, I've heard it minimized by people that saying that there's no condemnation if you're in Christ, if you walk in the spirit, not according to the flesh. And that's not what this is saying. That puts way too much on you. Romans 8 is saying that there's now no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ because we walk with him in spirit, not according to the law of the flesh. That's what he came to change. We still mess it up daily, right? We sometimes resemble the old self that we thought was dead. But we are now changed by faith from sinners to saints in Jesus' name. That's where your faith comes in. He says it, you believe it. You're changed. You're not changing. You are changing your behavior, but you are now a saint instead of a sinner. It's not gradual. We don't get that fact because we don't really get him. We don't get his agape love and the fact that it doesn't require any response from us. Salvation, that requires a response, but his love has been ours since he made us. God is so much more than we think. He loves us so much more than we think. He is present so much more than we think. That means we need to change the way we think, right? If everything is so much more than we think, change the way you think. I know a little girl who gets that. She had a confidence about her knowledge of God and who, who he is. I was observing this little girl one day when she appeared to be working very hard on a drawing. I really didn't care what she was drawing, but I have to act like I do, right? So, hey, honey, what are you working on? You know, all concerned like, and she said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And I said, oh, man, that's cool, sweetie, but we really don't know what God looks like. And without looking up, she said, hold on a minute, you will. <laughs> and she kept right on drawing, right? I want that confidence that I know who God is. I know what he looks like. My biggest regret, to be honest, in these 30 years of being a Christian is that a majority of my focus has been on the performance of my flesh. 
I've called myself a sine wave Christian in the past, positive, negative, positive, negative, lather, rinse, repeat, right? The, the hamster wheel of performance. Say it any way you want. It's no way to live a Christian life. It gets old. It's been a waste of my time. It's pretty much BS, and I'm not talking Bible study, right? Remember, that was for the pastor of Coeur d'Alene, too, and I liked it. If you didn't, I'm sorry. God has promised to never leave you, never forsake you. Do you believe that? By faith and the other promises of God. That's, that's what's key here. Here's the facts. Believing the gospel message and trying your best in Christ has always been good enough for God. Okay? It may not be good enough for you. It may not be good enough for the person judging you. But believing the gospel plan and trying your best in Jesus Christ has always been good enough for God. That's the gospel. Before the gospel, in the Old Testament, Abraham... All he did was believe. He didn't have to do all that other stuff. He just believed God. In Romans 4, 4, it says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that which he promised, he was able also to perform. And that was imputed to him for righteousness. And then it got written in the Bible. And it wasn't written in the Bible for his sake alone, but for yours also, if you believe on him who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, who was delivered for your offense, and rose again for your justification. So therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And that, I mean, for somebody who's been fighting his whole life, for a lot of people in here, that peace with God, that is awesome. I'm here telling you that I have that faith. I have peace with God because of my beliefs and the actions of Jesus on the cross. Okay? Nothing I've done, no improvement I've made has given me that peace because I had it the minute I accepted the Lord 30 years ago. I just got to remember it and, and use it. We've just, we, we ignore that piece sometimes. Just like Joseph in Genesis, God has taken me from the prison and promised me the palace. Just got to believe. And you know what? I've accepted it. I'm going to heaven. And nothing you can do about it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to heaven. And it's settled. There's nothing I can do about it. All I got to do is believe, okay? That's the beauty of everything we talked about before. That's his job. Now we're talking about ours. Right here, right now, in the waiting we still have to deal with each other, right? And that pesky walk in the spirit, not in the flesh command. Because it is a command, and he wants you to do it. It's just not about salvation. And that's why we need bridges. And I thought I'd never get back to my original point. Thank you. We need bridges. We should all want to be a bridge to take someone from one side, maybe unbelief, mistrust, hate, pain, abuse, and help get to the other side. Belief, trust, love not just to be involved in the things of heaven, not always the things of ourselves, right? That's when you do when you engage, when you get in the gap, when you bridge the gap we're talking about here. A lot of tools. I'm gonna share a thought that I think Kristen will second, and here it is. Worship is way more important than wisdom. It is more important that your children and other people hear you worship God rather than hear you try to explain them all the time. It's five times more important to be exact, and I can prove it. There are 31 Proverbs teaching you wisdom and 150 Psalms celebrating worship. So just do the math, right? Five times more. I don't know if that's true, but it could be. It could be a parable. Okay, so we started this month with the power of lasagna. Then we moved over to the power of the third option. And then Chase hit us last week with the power of perception. The power I want to talk about this week is definitely a two-edged sword, and it's the power of relationships. The power of relationships. And although she hit it very well, I got to think my wife internally was like, uh, you're going to teach on relationship? 
and I don't blame her. It ain't my favorite ship, right? <laughs> I'm probably better at friendship. I told her during our courtship. <laughs> but friends, relationships hard. There are two definitions that I think that I read in the, uh, in the Bible, in the dictionary. Let's talk about them. A relationship is the way in which two more concepts, objects, people, two or more things are connected. That's a relationship. And a relationship is also the state of being connected to that, the state of your relationship. So I see in these two definitions, four relationships that we're going to talk about briefly. What is your relationship with the concept of God? What is your relationship with the objects, stuff of this world? How are relationships to people? And finally, what is the state of these connections? These four relationships are hopelessly interwoven, and one is definitely more important than the others, right? We've already discussed the one, our relationship with God. Through Jesus, and that by our faith in him, we have peace with God. It's simple, and by faith, you're saved. Galatians 2.20 takes it a little different, a little deeper. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, that's for Pastor Stan to really <laughs> explain to you. I love it. I kind of know what it means, but it's not for me to explain. Like I said, I stay pretty shallow, but by faith I have it, right? Jesus Christ and him crucified. The more you want to study, it's not going to change that fact. It'll just make you understand it more. By faith I have that. Except to say that another ship, worship, has greatly increased my relationship with him. So don't forget worship. Now, our relationship with the world and the stuff of the world, mammon, like Chase was saying this last time, it's much more easily explained, right? Chase picked the perfect scriptures last week, and rather than introduce some new ones, let's just look on back on the same ones he used, because they were, they were good. Matthew 6, 24 tells us that no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he would be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't. There's nothing in the scripture that says you cannot have both God and mammon. But you definitely must choose which one controls your actions and your decisions, right? Matthew 6, 24 is not saying that you hate God if you have money. It is saying that no one can serve two masters. Yeah. For either you will ignore one while you're trying to obtain the other, or else you will be devoted to one while not putting the other on the same level of importance. Right? If God is the one you're devoted to, then mammon is of no concern whether you have it in abundance or not. It's great if he's Lord. But if stuff is what you serve, then God isn't your Lord. He might still be your savior, but he's not the Lord of your life. He's not controlling your dailies, right? The second scripture about your relationship with mammon is Proverbs 37, 9. Two things I ask of you, O Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehoods and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I will have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and dishonor your name. I personally have prayed this proverb too many times to count. I'm amazed that Chase used the scripture the week before I'm to share because of the importance it has played in my Christian life. This is my prison prayer 30 years ago. I didn't think old hard case Chase knew any prison prayers, but he do. Right? He's a youngster. I didn't know he was hard like that. But you got to understand this proverb. It is a cry of someone who understands his helplessness to do the right thing. Not somebody who didn't want to do the right thing. I wanted to. I was helpless, I thought, to do the, the right thing on my own. My plea getting out of there so many years ago is for God, was for and is for God himself to control the spigot. Because if I get too much or too little, I'm going to go ballistic. 
And I did, and that's what they're talking about here. The author of this proverb's name is Agur, and he is as much a nobody as there is in the Bible, and I feel so close to him right now because <laughs> I did the same thing, and he, he's really helped me along. The Bible itself, if you read it, calls his words an inspired utterance. And I'm just hoping by the end of this message, you feel the same way about one thing I said. One last word about relationship to stuff. Relationship is about connection, right? Connection. Imagine if people had the same connection with God as they do to their phone. They never let them out of a sight. You cry when you think you lost them and you go to them pretty much for everything. Just a thought. <laughs> the third relationship I wanna discuss is your relationship to OP, other people. Every person who is not you is another people. So how do you treat them? And I'm really not talking about your friends and your loved ones, although isn't this an interesting fact that you will find the greatest hatred among those people who are once very close. Strangers don't have enough invested, right? It's, it's a weird thing with a human being. The ones you love the most, <laughs> you could derive the most hate. But right now we're gonna speak about everybody else. The guy that cut you off at traffic, little jab at Stan, or the lady that didn't pick up that pile of protein that their dog left in your yard. Yeah, Laurie, that chick, yeah. Little <laughs> she does not like that lady. <laughs> So Jesus says, but Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? Any tax collectors, no offense. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that? So my question is, how would you respond to the people I've mentioned? I know how I want to respond. Pastor Sands says to use these people as practice people to get better in our Christian walk. But I don't think he realizes that before I became a Christian, I was already a pro at dealing with them people, right? I knew how to do it. But now I'm a Christian and we must change our perspective, right, Chase? Right, we gotta change it, it's not the same anymore. Here's what we're doing. In Romans 12, Paul instructs us to bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with another, let them in, right? Do not be proud, be willing to associate with people of low position, any position. Do not be conceited, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eye, eyes of everyone. And if, it's, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So even the Bible's telling you it may not always be possible, but if it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That, that's enough said about OP, strangers in your life, right? Let's get down to it. How do you deal with the loved ones, your, your closest peeps, right? Tell you the truth, I'm not very good at that. I'm getting better because I'm trying to love them as Christ loves me but I'm finding out just how far I am away from LLJD. And LLJD is like embrace it, it's loving like Jesus does, right? I, I wanna love like Jesus does, that's our whole thing. And I'm far away from that. And it's really tough to do that if you don't have agape love in your toolbox, right? You gotta have his kind of unconditional love or you can't love like he did. But I got a, I got a, a treat, agape love is in us, it's in us, we have Jesus. We just have to learn how to harness it and how to use it to push it out. Agape love is not meant for you, it's meant for others. Until I learn how to use mine, I do have one good bit of advice and one good bit of knowledge about keeping a great relationship, okay? First is this knowledge that in your most intimate relationships, the tongue has the power of life and death. Mm -hmm. FYI, the tongue is the only tool that gets sharper and sharper the more you use it and it gets easier to use. Proverbs 12, 18 says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. That, that's just knowledge right there, and I'm guilty of it. It's knowledge. 
So here's my advice for keeping your closest relationships close. You guys ready? Ban the AR-15. That's right. I said it. Ban the AR-15. There's probably more than 15, but you got to get rid of the awful responses you tell your spouse and your friends. You got to ban them. You can't use them anymore. Let's look at AR-1. I'm just saying. Right? Top of the list. If you're just saying, I'm just saying, that you probably said something you don't need to say. Right? I'm just saying means I want to insult you and have you not be offended. It's impossible. So let's get rid of AR-1. AR-2, how could you not know? Oh, sorry. You're the smartest guy I know. Sorry, I don't know what you know or the way you know it. Right? Awful response number three, you're making a big deal out of nothing. Whoa. Yeah. You might as well pull out AR-4. What's wrong with you? Right? And I want to explain something. That was only an AR-4, but that's pretty deadly to your relationship, right? So that's why we got to ban them all. Ban the AR-15. And there might be in your life 20 or maybe only 10, but ban it. If we're going to point this thing at the ones we love, we got to load it with the right ammunition. The power of the righteous is the fountain of life. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul, health to the body. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. And let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Especially when the words of my mouth are pointing to family members and friends and the people you've put in front of me. Help me, Lord, get that right. Finally, the last relationship is a state of being connected. This one's actually not a relationship. What it is is an assessment of your other three relationships. And it's your homework, Mr. Phelps, if you choose to accept it. <laughs> I don't know if there's any Mission Impossible people out there, but that I am. Okay. What is the state? Okay, what I was going to say first is grab a cold beverage, sit somewhere alone, and ask these questions. What is the state of my relationship with God? Is it a two-way relationship with more involved than just his agape love for me? more than just attendance at church. And you know, in this green new electric world, church is your charging station, right? Have I responded to his love? Have I been strengthening the state of our relationship and not just as a savior, but also all the way to Lord of my life? It's two different things. With the state of my relationship with mammon, with stuff, with the world, with my phone, do I have all this junk in proper perspective? Are you serving God while mammon in your life is just a tool of that service? Or are the cares and possessions of this world choking out your Lord, his lordship in your life? It has, has to be asked, right? What is the state of my relationship to other people? Am I nicer to strangers than I am to my own tribe? Greater is he that is in me than he's in the world. So when I talk, who's speaking? Is it he that is greater or is it same old hater? If we're gonna be all we can be, we need to tame this tiger, this tongue. But it's impossible to train the tongue without first dealing with the cause. You can't just fix your speaking. Luke 6.45 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's the heart that needs changing. And we're gonna try to change, we're going to change any hearts that need changing right now through Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Father, increase our faith right now, which will also work to change your tongue, thereby changing your relationship in Jesus' name. Okay, please, every head bowed, every eye closed, please, who has tried to control their tongue, their actions, their relationships without success? How many times 
Who's ready for the heart change and the life change that accepting the saving grace of Jesus will bring? If there's someone here, please show me a hand. I'm looking around. Thank you very much. If you yourself, you can look up now. If you yourself have already or now want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please join me in repeating this quick prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins as I accept that your death on the cross was for me. By my faith in the grace given, you are now my Savior. And I ask that you also help me make you Lord over my life. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a reconfirmation, a new person in Christ, whatever it is. We love you, and that's the reason we're here. I'm never good at the ending, so I'll just say, love you. That's all I got to say. Thank you. Twelve o'clock.